This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. This program may contain explicit language. Also, we have a newsletter coming out. It's at slate.com slash gist news. Now on with the possibly filthy show. Thursday, January 3rd, 2019, from Slate, it's the gist, I'm Mike Pesca. Acknowledged that it's a big news day. China sent a rocket to the moon. Who knew? Who knew that was still an aspiration of man? Nancy Pelosi was sworn in as Speaker of the House. A giant leap for a woman. But of course, she did the same thing 12 years ago. I was there for that one, by the way. Same gavel. The story I filed was how... Will a new Democratic House affect the war in Iraq and the surge? How times have changed, have they? But I was attracted, nay compelled, not by these stories, but rather by a New York Times story written by Mark Lander and Maggie Haberman. It was about how Donald Trump is very proud to show visitors the letters he receives from North Korean dictator Kim Jong-un. And and here's the one part that jumped out at me. Mr. Trump has a long history of showing off to visitors. His 26th floor office at Trump Tower has a windowsill crammed with mementos, including a championship belt sent to him by the boxer Mike Tyson, a football helmet from Tom Brady, the New England Patriots quarterback, whom the president once said he hoped would be his son-in-law. Let me just pause the paragraph reading for a second. I'm going to assume that he was speaking of his daughter Ivanka would be marrying uh, Tom Brady. I don't know. Maybe maybe he meant Tiffany. Probably Ivanka. I, it's just, I don't know. It's one thing to say, oh, this guy would make a fine son-in-law, what with the chin dimple and the salary and the athletic accomplishment. But there's another kind of 1730s offering up your daughter for a dowry. Although in this specific case, the one other prominent suitor often talked about for Ivanka Trump was Donald Trump himself. So I suppose saying maybe Tom Brady can marry her is an upgrade. All right. So where was I? Yes. A football helmet from Tom Brady and a basketball shoe signed by Shaquille O'Neal. This is some serious foot, he told a Wall Street Journal reporter in 2016. And that is one serious fool, said Shaquille O'Neal, but only in my imagination. The article goes on. What makes Mr. Kim's letters different, analysts said, is that they are key to a highly sensitive... Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. That's what jumped out. What makes Mr. Kim's letters different from a Mike Tyson belt, a Tom Brady helmet, and Shaquille O'Neal's sneakers, you have to enlist the help of an analyst to tell you how Shaquille O'Neal's sneaker is different from the letters of a man with nuclear weapons who has a history of machine gunning his uncles. Yes, yes, yes. In 2007, the New England Patriots, with Randy Moss on the outside and Wes Welker running the underneath routes, they were A veritable arsenal, but Kim Jong-un has an actual arsenal, a nuclear arsenal. Do you need an analyst to say so? 
Mike Tyson raised pigeons. The airborne projectiles at Kim Jong-un's fingertips are a little bit different, experts said. Also, you know, the items on his shelf, a, a Tom Brady helmet, a shoe, these are all gifts available at steinersports.com. Right? A uh, they they might be forged. I don't they didn't even say they were signed, but anyone in the public can get those letters from the leader of the Hermit Kingdom. A bit of insight into the mind of a possible madman versus a helmet from Tom Brady. Let's get the analysts in to tell me the qualitative difference between these two. Oh, Tom Brady signing the helmet. So is this for another of those uh, make-a-wish kids? Well, kind of. It's for Donald Trump, and you don't want to know what his wish is. You can't just editorialize. The writers couldn't just say, of course, a guy who throws a football and has never eaten a strawberry is categorically different from the missives of the guy with the missiles. Anyway, the whole thing was steeped, I believe, unnecessarily in journalistic overcaution, sources close to Mike Pesca say. On the show today, we're tunneling to freedom, or at least Williamsburg, on the spiel. But first, first, let me announce a live show. I don't know why I did this, except I think it would be fun. It's in nine days, January 12th in Brooklyn. I think it will be fun. There was an old game show called Beat the Geek, and uh, someone who is smart on a subject would go against a contestant. Well, we've invited many of the guests you've come to know on the gist, people with expertise, and we're inviting you as members of the audience to come on stage. They're not geeks. You're not going to beat the geek. We're calling it Subdue the Guru, a gist game show. It's part of the Brooklyn Podcast Festival, and you can get tickets to this January 12th show at unionhallny.com. That's where we're performing. I put that up top. But first, let me say that Dustin Hoffman in The Graduate was told the future were plastics. I thought the future was nanotechnology. Guess what? They're both the future. They're both right and horribly wrong for us. But how wrong? Microplastics, nanoplastics, ubiquitous. How dangerous are they? Maria Konnikova is here to focus her steely gaze on teeny tiny little plastics. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. So if I stand for nothing else, I stand on this program for strong skepticism of the efficacy of a straw ban to help humanity. Let's, this is not about that, but what it's about is one counter-argument that has been presented to me when I said, you know, straw ban really doesn't do that much. And I've been told, ah, there are many, many microplastics in the environment, which I don't disagree with. And in fact, there are microplastics in all of us, which I looked up and it's true. And, and that's where I stopped. What about the and? Microplastics 
are there, but how bad are they? I can't answer these questions for myself. Luckily, I'm joined by Maria Konnikova. She is author of The Biggest Bluff and comes around to play. Is that bullshit with us? Hello, Maria. Hey, Mike. How are you? I'm, I'm well. Microplastics, I'm going to break the word down yes, into its let's component do it. parts. Very small plastics. Yes, less than five right? millimeters okay. is the technical they definition. They always compare it to the uh, breadth of a hair. Well, th- those Human are... Human hair. Yeah, those are nanoplastics. Nanoplastics. Yeah, the ones, that, the ones that get even smaller. Yeah. Nanofibers can be five times smaller than the width of a hair. We're actually going to talk about the difference between Good. that in a bit. So let's just give very quick background on microplastics just Less. because... I needed it. I didn't know. So we make about 24.7 million tons of plastic waste each year um, that enters the waste stream. So this is the stuff that doesn't get recycled. Mm -hmm. And it's something like 90.5% of plastic doesn't get recycled. I know that because 90.5 was the stat of the year (laughs) by some stat. Well, remember we did that. And is that bullshit a few years ago on recycling? Yeah. And on why single and multi-stream recycling is kind of bullshit. We've yeah, done, is, is that we've done it. On a lot of things. We've done it on a lot, a of, lot things. of bullshit out there, Maria. There really is. There <laughs> really is. The world. The world it. needs us. Bullshit. We're the, we're the bullshit <laughs> superheroes. Yes. So there, it's somewhere between five and thirteen million tons a year making into the oceans. Okay. We're but not quite sure. It's hard right. to measure. And it's also it's one of those this. numbers that if you told me yeah. anything, like yeah, it's, hard it's to just, it's a lot. How Basically, big is the ocean? How exactly. much plastic is there? Yeah. So, so the moral of the story, a lot of plastic makes it into the oceans every right. single year. And then when it's in the ocean, it gets broken down because there's a sun and so there's heat and then there's also water pressure and there are waves and lots of things happen. And so a lot of this plastic gets broken down into tiny pieces right. that are kind of the size of little rice or even smaller. And by 2050, there are going to be some 33 billion tons of these things added to the planet. Yeah, I want to see the projection of anything. By 2050, there's going to be the same number of. You know, everything's going way up by 2050. Give me something that will be the same of by 2050. This is true. And these were first discovered um, that this was happening around 1997, where they found it. In the Pacific Ocean, thousands of miles from anywhere, um, an area the size of Portugal, France, and Spain combined had a high concentration of these plastic bits. And they'd somehow gotten there, and they called it plastic soup. Okay. So where's it coming from? Uh-huh. Um, it's coming from a lot of things. Obviously, we use plastic yeah. in our containers and a lot of the things we use on a daily basis. But we also use it in things we don't realize. Like if you're wearing polyester clothing, um, there are plastics in that. And you got other problems too. <laughs> it doesn't breathe. <laughs> yes, this is true. And every time you run the washing machine, some of that goes into the water supply. When you're using a lot of facial products, a lot of makeup, facial cleansers, a lot of the stuff has yeah. has plastics. So a lot of things affect how many microplastics are in any given part of the world, but mostly you can say the more people there are the more microplastics sure. are going to be. And they're going to be in the water. They're going to be in the air. Okay. So those are kind of the places that you're going to that you're gonna find them and in the things you use. Because we're talking, we're not just going to be talking about microplastics in general. We're talking about microplastics in humans and my, us having microplastics in us and what that's actually going to do. So the most common way or the most studied way for microplastics to get uh, into us is through food because 
if they are in lots of oceans and a lot of animals are eating them. So according to recent estimates, 114 separate aquatic species have been found with high concentrations of microplastics. And then we in turn eat those aquatic species, then we consume those and it gets into us. And so the reason we're even doing this segment was there was a recent article in National Geographic Mm -hmm. which talked about these recent findings that every single human in Europe that was measured for microplastics in their poop, um, the microplastics were found. Yes, which isn't surprising. I think they only measured like 40 people. But it's not surprising that there's going to be some microplastics in poop. Now, we should say... I guess plastics haven't been around for hundreds of years, but they've been around for dozens of years. So it may be the case that there's no more microplastics in poop than our parents had or maybe our grandparents, would you think? No, I don't think we can really make that case. Okay. Because the use of plastics has really been going up. Okay. I think the only place in which it's been going down is clothing because I think we do wear less polyester than people wore Back in, back, in days, yeah. back in back well, in the days, back in back in the days of disco, yes, I yes. Think, yeah. But other than that, I do I do think, and what you were saying earlier, that concentrations tend to build up over time because they're not going anywhere, right? So I think that I think that we are exposed to more than right. our parents, right? So I think that that is going up over time. Okay. So I don't think we're disputing that there are microplastics around us, and that we ingest them, and that we also breathe them in. That's actually less talked about, but that's also more to do with nanoplastics because you have to have smaller particles. Yeah, it's in hard order to, to breathe a grain exactly. of plastic in. But yeah. you, but you, you might choke. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And some animals do. Well, so, I saw yeah. that one turtle that started all the straw thing. <laughs> so I don't think we're debating that. I think the question is, and the thing that people are actually curious about now is, does it matter? Does it matter? What's, yeah. So how do they figure out if it matters? Do we have to wait 30 years to see yeah, if it matters? Yeah, so um, unfortunately, the human health impact is unclear. So there are no studies that have been able to measure kind of microplastic concentrations and human health over the long term because it's really hard. All of these things are really hard to measure. So the best we have right now is in animals. Mm -hmm. So for a while, scientists have been looking at what happens in small animals. And one of the things that is very obvious is that it can cause obstruction and inflammation. So if you ingest, if you're a small animal and you ingest even a microplastic. It, to that, them, it's not so yes, micro. Yes, it, it's not. Exactly. Yeah. And it accumulates over time. In algae, so if you're as small as algae, you have lower photosynthesis and growth. Mm-hmm. If you're a zooplankton or a lugworm, your feeding activity goes down. <laughs> if you're a crab, yeah. your stomach and your gills get damaged. Crabs have gills? Yeah. And I, you're, I never do that. And you're hepatopancreas. Yeah. And I had to look up what that means. And it just Liver means... Liver pancreas? It just means digestive tract. Oh. I, I, I didn't understand why I they could hepa was... Right. The, maybe I, it's like there's like yeah, a yeah. Com- combined organ maybe. that crabs have. I, I have no idea. Yeah. So I looked it up and it's just the digestive tract. Okay. Um, that gets damaged. And wow. in fish, if you're a fish, your histology and your biomarkers are going to change as well, potentially. And so that's as far as we've gotten when it comes to 
ingesting them. So microplastics in animals have been shown to do all of these sorts of things. None of them have been shown in humans. And the other thing that's been shown is that they're expelled. So they were. That's why we found them in the stool. That's why we found them in the stool. So the human body is really, really good at ingesting stuff that's bad for us and but then expelling know, it. But if do we know that they're totally expelled? They're no. not also retained. No, no. Yeah. But we do know that a lot of it is expelled, mm-hmm. and we do know that the body is has a lot of protective elements against ingesting bad stuff. The more dangerous part might not be the microplastic as such but the stuff that's stuck to it as it was out in the environment. Because it ends up that microplastics mostly, when they're in the water, they can, I learned a new word, adsorb. I thought it was absorb, but it's it's absorbing when you are a hard substance and things stick to you on the outside like a thin film. So that word is called adsorb. I just just am picturing like some presentation where like some, (laughs) where some, some marketers are like, and this is what we call adsorption. Yes. Yes, exactly. Advertise on the gist. We have the highest adsorption rates. Yes, absolutely. So a lot of the bad stuff that's floating around actually doesn't like water. It's hydrophobic. So the moment these plastics enter, they just, they really... Get yeah. come to it and uh, are attracted to it, and so when we when we are ingesting the microplastics, we're also ingesting potentially all the stuff that was adsorbed okay. onto the microplastic. And those things we've actually had some segments. You remember when we had um, the segment where we talked about things like phthalates and the stuff that's in the sofas that prevents fires yes, and all that yes, stuff. Yes, yeah, so Based lo- on Nick Kristoff's article. Exactly, exactly. Yes. So a lot of those things are adsorbed <laughs> by the microplastics, and then we end up eating them. So I will refer listeners to those segments. So basically the bottom line with microplastics is we don't know mm-hmm. what it's doing to the human bodies. There are no studies. We know what it does to smaller organisms, but relatively speaking— Microplastics in smaller organisms are much worse than microplastics in a big organism like a human being. And we just, we we honestly don't know what's going on in terms of toxicity or whether it's bad for us. But the stuff that's been going on now that's, I think, much more interesting and potentially problematic is nanoplastics. So these are the ones that are even smaller. And these are the ones that we can inhale. And these are also the ones that can actually cross into our organs because they can be absorbed by the blood. Mm. And so the small— Yes, absorbed. This one is absorbed, not adsorbed. Yes. And so these are the things that I would personally be much more worried about. And it's much more likely that we're going to breathe them in as opposed to eat them. Mm -hmm. So I would say don't worry about eating fish. Don't worry about kind of consuming microplastics because we really don't know that it does anything bad to us. But when you breathe in microplastics, that might actually be much worse because – We know that the smaller the particle, the more easily it's absorbed and the more easily it can potentially then disrupt our body because we can't protect against it as well. And there was one study that was recently done on rats and nanoparticles, and it it was shown that nanoparticles of plastic. um, So they used polymethyl metacrylate, which is acrylic. Okay. (laughs) I have to look all these things up because no one in the paper says yeah, everyone, acrylic. In the, everyone in the plastic uh, <laughs> research industry knows that's acrylic. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's just acrylic. And they found that when they ingested this um, and when they sniffed it, it spread to their liver, spleen, heart, lungs, brains, thymus, reproductive organs, kidneys, and brain. Wow. So all this study showed was that 
this was absorbed. But then within two days, 95% of it was expelled. Okay, but 5% wasn't. But 5% wasn't. Yeah. And this is as far as the study goes. So it's not, it did not then monitor the rats for the rest of the rats' lives to right. see what are the long-term no effects. No rat longitudinal studies. Yes, yeah. exactly. So we do know that this is happening. We do know that the nanoparticles can very easily cross even the blood-brain barrier, which is actually kind of scary. Mm-hmm. We know that most of it is expelled, which is wonderful. We don't know what happens to the stuff that stays in there. And that's the stuff that's more worrying, the stuff that stays because most of the harmful properties of all of these plastics, as we've talked about in the past, happens through um, degradation. So they're not hazardous as such. They just become hazardous when they start breaking down. And so... So microplastics are something to really worry about. Is that bullshit? I think that when it comes to human health, that's bullshit. I think that we have a lot of things to be really worried about, even as far as microplastics go, such as that we're killing fish and that we're polluting the environment. I think that's much more important than worrying about whether or not what we're eating is actually harming us. I think so far there's no data that there's any toxicity to us from microplastics. But nanoplastics, those might nanoplastics, be something to worry about. Yes, might be not some, bullshit. Yes, nanoplastics might be something to worry about, but you're much more likely to breathe that in than you are to ingest it through your food. And so that, I would just say, stop wearing polyester. Stop <laughs> um, stop going to nail salons. Yeah, not, not like three coats. You know? <laughs> not three coats. Yeah. So just, you know, think about, think about the things you're using. Is there and, non-acrylic nail polish available? Yes. Oh, yes. there you go. Yes. There's your solution. Thank you. We just saved the world. We did. We did. One, one is that bullshit segment at a time. Maria Konnikova is the author of The Biggest Bluff. Thank you, Maria, for that adsorbing and absorbing conversation. Thank you, Mike. Hi, you're listening to The Gist right now. But do you ever wish you could get more of it? Are you that insane? Well, maybe not more in the audio form, but in the written form. We've got just the thing, The Gist's Saturday newsletter. Every issue has links to the best stuff that I've been reading, listening to, and watching, plus the answer to our on-air trivia question and links to every episode in case you missed any it's a good way to organize the week. Sign up now at slate.com slash gist news. That is slate.com slash gist news. And we'll see you in your email inbox every Saturday. Offers to appear in your email inbox are figurative only. This episode is brought to you by The Jordan Harbinger Show. You've heard me talk about The Jordan Harbinger Show because it's one of my favorites. He does in-depth interviews with some of the world's most fascinating minds. I can name a few. Barbara Boxer, Anderson Cooper, Michael McFall, the Ukraine or Russia ambassador talking about Ukraine. One I recently listened to was Stanley McChrystal, the general, the former general. And he told uh, an interesting story about revering Robert E. Lee. But then, after having a portrait of him for 40 years, he's a 63-year-old man throwing it in the trash. Because his wife says, you know, what that picture and that man means to you, it doesn't mean to other people, and you have to understand that. And then in the interview, they got around to the point where McChrystal talked about that interview in Rolling Stone magazine that pretty much ended his career, where uh, I got to the desk of Barack Obama, and it had McChrystal saying, 
unflattering things about the war effort and just how he talked to his wife and how they decided not to be bitter and not to wallow in. He could have taken some shots at the process, the reporter or the president at that point, but he didn't. It was just an overall good interview. It was facilitated by Jordan's excellent interview style. Whether Jordan is conducting an interview or giving advice to a listener, you will find something useful that can apply to your own life in every single episode of The Jordan Harbinger Show. That could mean learning how to ask for advice the right way or discovering a little mindset tweak that changes how you see the world. Search for The Jordan Harbinger Show. That's H-A-R, like the first three letters in hard, B-I-N-G-E, as in how you'll want to catch up on all the episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And now the spiel. Today I'm going to go local. Yes, it's true that on a national level, the Democrats taking over the House of Representatives officially is a big, huge deal. But we knew it. We put it in our calendars since the election. We knew it was going to happen. A surprise announcement was made today by a local politician, the governor of the state of New York. Now, some politicians, they like to show up at every ribbon cutting, right? Others, others actually proudly declare their commitment to constituent services, a New York senator named Al D'Amato proudly called himself Senator Pothole because if there was a pothole on your street, he'd send a crew or do something to get credit for it. Our governor, Andrew Cuomo, he's not like that necessarily. He says he doesn't sweat the small stuff and don't you know it's all small stuff. Am I right, Gov Cuomo? I tend to focus on the issues that are highly impactful. Right. Okay, I'll take that as a premise. And yet at the same time, after telling us how he focuses only on that, which is vital, he did let loose with this observation. Prison, breakout, Adanamora. I just saw the movie the other day on TV, so I'm thinking about it. Michael Imperioli played me. I thought he did a good job. (laughs) Why is he raising all this? I will tell you why. Here was the issue at hand. So the announcement... That was gripping all New Yorkers, especially Brooklynites, but also people who live on 14th Street, is that the L train would be shutting down for over a year, 15 months. It's a crap train, but it's all they've got in Williamsburg and Bushwick and all parts of Brooklyn. Montrose Avenue, they love it. DeKalb Avenue, they love it. Aberdeen Street, they love it. They love it. They love the L train. They don't love the L train. But like I said, they're stuck with the L train. Sometimes it gets you there. But some L train that sometimes works is a lot better than no L train that doesn't work. And that was the plan. They were going to shut it down, fix it up, but I guess only as good as the L train ever ran, which was not that good. But it was going to take over a year. And this was being called in local media the L pocalypse. And it sucked because the backup plan without the L train was buses and maybe a couple private cars, throwing a donkey or two. There's just no good plan. New York has so much traffic, can't go over it can't go through it. You got to go under it. And now the L train wasn't even going to go under it. Well, it wasn't up until Andrew Cuomo took the stage because this, the L train going offline for 15 months, this apparently fell under the category of issues that are highly impactful. And Andrew Cuomo told us all today that the L train will not be shutting down Elpocalypse, no. They have proposed a new design to use in the tunnel. It is a design that has not been used in the United States before, to the best of our knowledge. Uh, Just as a point of clarification, 
to the best of your knowledge. So there might be a secret giant subterranean infrastructure project that's using this design. There are fewer than 10 subway systems in the United States. I mean, there used to be one in Cleveland. There's not anymore. You got New York, Chicago, Philadelphia, Boston, San Francisco, Atlanta. I mean, call one of those guys, figure it out. Have we done this before? They haven't done this before. The governor continued. With this design, it would not be necessary to close the L train tunnel at all. Not at all. No way. Then again, he can't expect us to be that familiar with tunnels. Because I know while many of you are familiar with tunnels and tunnel construction and tunnel design. Okay, maybe he thinks more of his constituents or the assembled press corps than I do. How is he going to dig his way out of this? I know, he's going to throw a quick quiz at us. Gateway Tunnel, Hudson River Tunnels, Montague Tunnel, L Train Tunnel. What's the common denominator? Tunnel. The the right word is tunnel. And I only say that because sometimes the right answer is staring right in front of you. Uh, you know, like with power cables. And the power cables. You'll hear a lot about the power cables. The power cables are the cables that power the train. Well, to go back to the original question, the common denominator was salt water. And that gave Cuomo the chance to show us some slides, uh, talk about how the salt water did and didn't hurt the tunnels, get really in-depth into the tunnel that the L train runs through. He kept talking about the damage of Hurricane Sandy, which supposedly necessitated the shutdown, even though it's Super Storm Sandy. It wasn't Hurricane, but that's fine. And what he also did, because this was, again, that which is highly impactful, what he also did is he got the deans of the engineering schools of Columbia and Cornell. Yeah, aren't you, as some other state without two Ivy League schools, aren't you jealous now? All right. He got these guys, actually one guy, one woman, don't want to be sexist, sent them down to the tunnel, and they saw things. They saw heretofore unseen things. They saw a lot of giant rats. They were mistaken for kittens. I guess the predators have been overtaken by the prey. But they saw opportunity. And you could just read it on the faces of these engineering giants who were surrounding Andrew Cuomo. I don't know if you can tell, but these are engineers excited. They... (laughs) (laughs) Well, I guess not all of us have the emotive abilities of a Michael Imperioli. Christopher. And with a flourish, Andrew Cuomo demonstrated that government and governor, motivated by that which is highly impactful, works. It's faster. It's cheaper. It's better than the way we have been doing it now. Woohoo! But wait, why did it have to come to this? And does just your normal MTA assessment not include inviting in engineers, skilled, credentialed engineers? There are only two people who could have figured this one out. And what about everyone who, for three or more years, made choices about where to rent and where to live and where to move to based on the upcoming apocalypse? Furthermore, why is a guy from Albany in charge of New York City's tunnels? That's kind of a fundamental question. And let's also ask, if Andrew Cuomo were the one who was shot in the foot in Goodfellas, would he have bounced back so ably? All excellent questions to ponder as you're stuck between Lorimer and Graham. Thank you, God, you're not above ground somewhere near Bedford. And that's it for today's show. Pierre Bienname and Daniel Schrader produced the gist. Experts say that the job of producing the gist is different from the job of producing a gallon of yak milk 
with no available yak. TJ Raphael, senior producer of Slate Podcasts, says Slate Podcasts won't produce themselves. But what about Whistle Stop? That seems to be producing itself. The gist. Analysts say that our session is over, but we made some breakthroughs. You've been transferring all your anger onto Shaq's shoes. Oomperu, depperu, duperu, and thanks for listening.